Devil Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to episode 139 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Dryav, and my co-host, the certain type of guy to my Andrea Lee, Nick Braccia. Nick, some controversy this last weekend. Tony Kelly in Andrea Lee's corner. He basically, you know, made this remark about how they're they're dirty Brazilians, they're going to cheat. And, you know, this created a little bit of an uproar with MMA media who I believe, are... I believe he said filthy fucking Brazilians. You might be right. You, you might be right uh, about that. Now, to be fair, are Brazilians known for using performance-enhancing drugs? Yes, but Americans are too. And Let's so not are Russians. And, and so are a lot. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. You can't. <laughs> you can, you cannot. You cannot be on live TV. And, I mean, he shouldn't. He shouldn't think it because it's not true. Even if you have some frustrations, but you can't be in the corner like. Like spouting um, racist rhetoric against your wife's opponent, it's just it's on. The- yeah, I, I don't know if it's like he made the remark about how like it's not racist. It's not. It's xenophobic. Like, um, I guess like if if you really care about what distinction that is, like. But the point is, it was kind of hateful. It's, well, it's, right? it's it certainly like- a it's certainly a stereotype, and it's it's definitely xenophobic. And I think I would I think I would characterize it as as racist as it's attributed as it is attributing a. Um, you know, it's attributing a scumbag behavior to an entire nation of people. Right, (laughs) right, exactly. But the real big deal is that, in my opinion, he should get a two-year ban and and Andrea Lee should get like a one-year ban. I don't think so. That's crazy talk, Nick. I don't think that's right at all. Like, first of all, the UFC's Code of Conduct never never really, like, makes clear what's allowed and what's not allowed. It actually actually does. Um, Does it really? Yeah, someone was writing about this yesterday. Let me. It may have been on Bloody Elbow. I'll quote it for you. They just don't use it. Um, there was an article written by uh, Trent Reinsmith. It's an opinion piece. Accepting bigotry hurts the UFC's bottom line. And there's. I'm just scrolling down to. Okay. It's a document that's published in 2013 as the UFC's Code of Conduct. Derogatory or offensive conduct, including, without limitation, insulting language, symbols, or actions about a person's ethnic background, heritage, color, race, national origin, age, religion, disability, gender, or sexual orientation. Those, yeah, so they the, were, the UFC is they, not going to do anything broke, about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably, I so, mean, they, they broke the Code of Conduct. So the biggest issue I have is with your suggestion about punishing them both is like, Andrea Lee, like, what did she do besides the fact that she's very much attracted to racists? Like, she had a mo- she had a know. she had a moron in her corner. Your response? Well, I know, but it, you know, I don't think it's at all fair to punish her for something that her corner man said. Whether they're in a relationship or not is not right, right? Like, do we do do we? It, it seems cra- like crazy talk to me. And also, we have to consider that Mike Perry, I believe, was I believe uh, he had. Um, Nicholson, the, the 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 guy's name is in his corner, and Mike Perry's first couple of UFC fights, and the guy yelled something about he's Asian, he can't see to Mike Perry cool. from his corner, like absolutely idiotic and ridiculous, and I don't know if it's, it's probably racist more than xenophobic, and and 
like nothing happened. The guy continued. Like the guy was also in the UFC. Uh, Nicholson, I think it's Andrew Nicholson. I can't remember his first name. He ended up getting on steroids in the PFL and having some success. But uh, you know, these kind of remarks, like they, they don't generally punish that. Um, I don't think it's. I, I absolutely don't think it's right to punish Andrea Lee. The fact that she is punishing herself by continually finding these Nazis and racists uh, to date is in itself something. Tony Kelly, the same guy who, by the way, drove 24 hours, Nick in order not to wear a mask on a flight, and, like, his quote was, I'm not a sheep, I stand for something. You're a fucking idiot. Like, you're a fucking idiot. Take yeah. the fucking flight. It's going to no, be okay a, to have a piece of cloth in, in front a, of your face for an hour rather than wasting an entire fucking day of your life. To his credit, he did end up winning that fight, though. Uh, Nikolai, uh, unfortunate that Andrea Lee has the type. Unfortunate that this is actually a step up. The last guy had Nazi tattoos and beat the shit out of her neck. So... She's slightly improving in her selection of mates, as far as we can tell at this moment, I guess. Next, um, next, I, I next stop, Covington. Um, next, uh, oh, kid, that's hysterical, Nick. That would be a slight improvement over this guy, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. So, look, the, the, the fact of the matter is Tony Kelly is actually a pretty good fighter. He's gritty. He's got conditioning for days. He's got high up, but it's unfortunate that he's got the personality of a fucking asshole. Yeah, but so, I mean, um, frankly, so do most people on the roster, Sam. Like, we can't... Yeah. You know, no... Yeah, there, there's too many Sean Strickland's and Colby Covington's and Tony Kelly's on this uh, on this card, and, and it is unfortunate. Um, but, look, I do have to quickly talk about, before we dive into UFC Fight Night, Holmes versus Vera, I want to talk about UFC Fight Night, Blahovich versus Rockets, at least the main event. My boy, Blahovich, as a two... Uh, as a uh, one and a half to... Uh, two to one, close to underdog came through. It was a weird situation in which I thought that he was looking good in the first round. He was landing shots. Uh, Rockets doesn't really have a complete game. He's really athletic and really explosive, and he does things, if you see him throw an individual strike or an individual takedown, looks pretty good, but he doesn't have a put-together game. There's no setups to the strikes. He just explodes with random shit once in a while. And ever since his loss to Volkan Ozdemir, he started to explode much more rarely. He's relied on these weird, tepid decisions that we know uh, Blahovich is capable of as well against Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos. Incredibly boring fights. Anthony Smith, he took down and just laid on top of, did nothing for uh, three or five rounds, I can't remember. And Tiago Santos, he basically stood across from and did almost nothing there as well. So, uh, Rakic is not like, in my opinion, he's not that like high level of a heavyweight. He needs to join an American top team, I think, to get there. Maybe uh, a Sanford MMA and well, AKA. Light heavyweight. Would do him some good. Uh, right, it is light heavyweight after all, but he is explosive. He's got a lot of the right talents. He claims he has good cardio now, although he doesn't fight like he believes in his cardio. But I'm really glad that Blahovich came through. It's unfortunate that it came this way. Uh, Blahovich took advantage of the same issue that uh, that Rakic showed against Volkan Ozdemir in his last loss, right, which was back in 2019, was susceptibility to calf kicks. He didn't learn how to check him. He didn't correct that mistake. How does that happen? That's crazy talk to me. Um, Bohovic was able to land him consistently on Rakic's left leg. And I think partially, at least because of that, the way that Rakic had to plant on his right leg in that moment probably didn't help that his left leg was botched and he had to kind of um, compensate in that way. But uh, I'm glad Rakic came out with the win. I'm glad people are looking at it as a, as a legitimate win, even though Rakic came out with a Facebook post or, or Twitter post or something in which he basically said, I won the first round, I dominated the second round, and I was winning the third round. You did win the second round. You did not do well in the first or third uh, up until the the injury. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad my boy Blahovich is, is coming back, and I hope he comes back and rematches Glover or um, who is it, Jerry Prozaska, whoever it is yeah. that comes out with the light heavyweight title. I love Yon. Yon just seems like a good dude. Um, I'm glad. I just want to say I'm really glad you've you've learned how to pronounce his name. 
Um, thank Nick. Thank, thank you for that help. I'm, I, I pronounced the Russian time. names. It, did, it really did. Uh, and you kept correcting me, Nick, no matter what. And you know what? One of these days, we're going to get you to say Kamzat Shivayev's name correctly. I do One say it. Days. I say it correctly all the time. No. Kamzat Shivayev. No, I usually say it wrong. No, I don't. If I, it's Nick, if I had the time and the and the patience to listen through some of our old episodes, um, I can't remember how you would how you kept saying his name. It's really funny though. I can't remember. Okay, well, I do. Yeah, no, that, that, that's actually really good, Nick. Um, so, so anyway, let's let's dive into this card, Nick. Home versus Vieira. Um, Eleven fight card, right? Two weeks in a row now. I'm kind of into this. Like, we don't do we need to watch tape on sixteen fights to break down one of these cards? Nick? And you that's know, insane. you know how much tape I watch. <laughs> oh, Nick, so much tape. You you basically go on the topology page and you see where the fan votes are. You look at the odds sometimes. <laughs> you look you look at the odds sometimes and you're like, huh, that guy's the favorite. I'm going to go with him. Uh, no, but you, to be well, – okay, I, that, that, that's bullshit on my end. I know there are times in which you're uh, – yeah. There are times in which I do deep research. They're, they're not often. But also, because I watch all the fights, I do have a sense of most – you know, I've got – I, I know, know who these people are and how they fight, but yeah, I don't no, know no, no doubt, and, and and also to be fair, you only pick from like you let topology decide when you can't decide when you're having a hard time picking fights. I'm not, oh, I, yeah. I don't actually mean yeah. that you you do today, no research. Today, but... today topology is going to help out a little bit. <laughs> oh, Nick, a lie! What are people going on here for? They could just go on topology, you know, and get all the info they need. So seriously speaking, I think I have the first pick this week. Is that correct, Nikolai? Um, yeah, I'm willing to is. double check that. Let's see. Last episode, we should come into this week prepared, Nick. But here we are. Here we are doing the the Nick and Stan thing. Um, I had yeah, you did have uh, the first pick with Davy Grant, which I thought was a better first pick than Nick Maximoff. Who right, right. I don't know if you heard Nick. Yeah, you, did not. Yeah, pan yeah, out. You, didn't, you, you didn't do too well on that. So I so just so everyone knows, I outpicked Stan last week by is that a, how you're gonna put a it? Couple of picks, just by mm. uh, four to one and two to three, or four to one and. Uh, probably three to two, I would think. Were you, I believe I had, four to I one believe I had three two wrong. Two, but Stan had two underdog picks. So even though I was superior in picking um, picking winners, he picked uh, a couple of long shots. Nick, I, I, I picked two underdogs, which for betting purposes is fantastic. Oh, yeah, right? yeah Alan, good, for you, good for you. Good for you. You're damn right. Alan Nascimento came through a plus 175. Are you kidding me? That The odds on that fight, that was insanity. And I took advantage of that at the betting window. And, of course, Jan Blahovich, which, you know, not a conclusive ending, but he was a decent-sized underdog. What the fuck are people thinking? Well, that was, is... that was yeah, you were, you were good. that was a good call. Like, that was very stupid odds making. But what do you, uh, what do you got going on for your first pick here? So my first pick for the home versus Caitlin Vieira fight card I'm going to go ahead and take who I think might be the biggest prospect at light heavyweight. I'm going to take him in a heavyweight bout, Jailton Almeida, over my man, the guy that I've picked successfully several yeah. times, Parker Porter. Um, I like Parker Porter a lot, right? He's not terribly athletic, but he's relentless. He's got conditioning for a guy that doesn't look like he's well-conditioned, right? Um, he's he's about as wide as he is tall. He's six feet as a heavyweight. And the, the guy can get through a tough first round and take over against the average heavyweight. Even, let's say, the average light heavyweight, right, given where the skill level is in those two divisions. But Jelton Almeida is a golden prospect. He is somebody that I think is genuinely special. It also doesn't help that of the two guys, the one that's taking this on short notice is Parker Porter. Um, I think Jelton drags him to the floor. He's shown in his Contender Series bout and his UFC debut that he can dominate a really good grappler in the grappling uh, scene. 
He's also incredibly athletic. He's bricked up, right? And he, he is as strong and as explosive as he looks. Um, I think he's really something special. Like, I saw that Romanov was the Khabib of heavyweight. I think Jailton Almeida might be the better Khabib, like better than Romanov is at heavyweight, uh, at light heavyweight. And I hope he doesn't slip on a banana peel against, you know, a worthy test here. I expect that he should be able to dominate, drag Porter to the floor, do just about what he wants to him and, and score either a TKO or submission victory in the first round. Yeah, I agree with you. That was going to be uh, that was going to be my first pick. Also, uh, tough draw for Porter, who's been a good company man so far, and and I've exceeded exceeded what I thought he was going to be capable of. Um, my first pick is going to be uh, off the main card in the middleweight bout between Chidi and Jaquani. Uh, I'm going to pick him to uh, knock out Dusko uh, Todorovic. The the uh, first of all, Jaquani's got real power and precision. I mean, we've been talking about how much we love Andre Fialo. Uh He KO'd Andre Fialo a couple of years ago in 21 seconds. He had a spectacular KO um, recently in the UFC. That was against, uh, oh yeah, Marc-Andre Barrio in 16 seconds. This guy's a, he's a, he's a finisher. He has been submitted before. He does have a number of losses, but Dusko Torovic, in my estimation, like striking defense is not his speciality. He seems to he seems to get hit a lot and uh, and get in get into wars and count on durability. Um, and I'm not sure at this at this level that it's gonna that it's gonna be there for him. Um, so I see Andrew Kawani, uh, you know, landing something big, putting Dusko down early. It's tricky because both of these guys have like the weakness that the other guy can exploit. Right, Todorovic has his chin extremely high up and just basically moves right forward into his opponent's offense. Standing, uh, he's a pressure fighter. Pretty gritty, right, if his chin holds up. The problem is his chin doesn't always hold up against heavy hitters. And Jaquani, being the heavy hitter, really experienced kickboxer. The man's voice, Nick, is... I mean, he could easily play Darth Vader or Mufasa in the next iteration of, of, of Star Trek and Lion King, Nick. Like, he's got that James Earl Jones, like, worthy voice. Um, actually, somewhat frightening... Which I think might be even more effective as a, then why don't, as a, as then, a bad guy. Then he should change his nickname to Thulsa Doom. Do you know who Thulsa? I, do you know who Thulsa Doom is? I don't actually. I'm not a. Thulsa, I'm not a Star Trek guy. Is that a, what are you talking about? Thulsa Doom is how it was who James Earl Jones played in Conan. Conan the Barbarian. Oh, I see. I see. Motherfucker. No, it, motherfucker it's, it's, it's been a long time since I watched that. He turned into a snake god. <laughs> speaking of which, uh, speaking of just real quickly about Jan Blahovic, he, um, you know how I mentioned that he tra- he's been training in this training camp with Daria Alders, who is uh, Albers, excuse me, who is somebody that I've been on the mat with a few times, somebody that I've had conversations with. She was she's been on this New yeah, York yeah. scene between Ray Longo's gym and Henzo Gracie's, where I met her, and I've seen her in other places like Evolution and and Church Street Boxing. So. You know, recently saw pictures of her with Valentina Shevchenko. Apparently, she has become a sports psycholo- psychologist, Nick. Oh, she, cool. Uh, and, and when speaking to her, like, like you can kind of sense that. She's very kind of even-keeled, very calm, very measured, very logical and friendly. Uh, re- really nice, nice lady. Um, and, you know, we've been Facebook friends ever since. And, and so I've kind of followed her journey a little bit. And here she is um, going from fighter to sports psychologist and, and, and coaching one of the the, the number one ranked light heavyweight in the world, the former, former champ, which is pretty awesome for her to get this shine. And I hope that that grows into opportunities with more fighters at a high level. I think I think that's pretty awesome for her. But um, the reason that I brought that up in response to you mentioning uh, Conan the Barbarian is that apparently, and I don't know if this was part of uh, Daria's kind of coaching, Blahovich saw the Conan the Barbarian movies and shows and stuff leading up to this event. That was kind of his 
inspiration, oddly enough. Oh, um, in, in any case, Nick, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I would have taken Todorovic as an underdog because Chidi and Jokwani, when he loses, it's because he gets grounded and he doesn't quite know what to do from there. Even though he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, he's he's almost seems fish out of water level on his back, right? So can he catch a knockout in the first few minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Can Dusko Todorovic take him down and just fucking beat beat on him relentlessly? Also a possibility. Um, although I see, like, the odds are a I little bit far so. apart, in my opinion. Okay. Now, no, I, look, I you're probably right, right? There's a reason that Chidi is a favorite. I just think Dusko Todorovic, who was, like, really seen as a very serious prospect going into his UFC I, review. And, I don't you know, think... Had, sorry, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. I'll let you finish. No, it, it's just if you look at Chidi's record... He's got several losses, and I think, if I remember correctly, I'm not looking at it at the moment. I'm going to, though. Several of them are by ground and pound, dude. Dusko Todorovic likes to get into clinch. He closes that distance. He pounds you to the body, to the head. He drags you down to the floor and and, and bombs on you, right? He lost to Rafael uh, Carvalho, who's a pretty good middleweight in Bellator, I believe, by getting grounded several times throughout a three-round fight. He lost to John Salter, who's like an okay Bellator middleweight by Rene Kachok. That was in 2018, not that long away. Andre Koroshkov by ground and pound in the first round. Um, Dusko Todorovic is not as experienced as those guys, to be fair, but capable of this kind of But I also think he generally, I think Dusko Todorovic has not great fight IQ. When he watches, expre- he's one of the few yeah. guys who I feel like um, his facial expressions give away how he's feeling in the cage. And I, I, just, I just don't have... In order, a lot like Andrea Lee, by the way. In, uh, yeah, in order to in in order to achieve his will against Edjikwani, I just I just think he's going to have to weather um, he's going to have to weather a storm that he's that he's not going to be able to stand. Uh, but you know, we'll see. He's just one of those guys who I currently don't uh, don't really believe in, and I've got and and I feel like Edjikwani has looked. Has looked confident. Has looked like a winner. Has looked like a UFC fighter. Despite a couple of victories, Disco does not look ready for prime time for me, from psychologically. I mean, yeah, it's it, it is based on his I think two and two record in the UFC thus far. I definitely hear where you're coming from. For the record, he's been training with the likes of Michelle Pereira. It looks like uh, according to these work uh, according to these pictures at the UFCPI. Granted, that was fairly recent. It looks like he got his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt recently. So there is there is something to there is something to this guy's ground game. That is where he specializes, and that's Chidi's weakness, despite the fact that he's a black belt. So I definitely hear where you're coming from. I just feel like the odds. Make this something yeah, worth looking you, at, I, but thank you, I you know got I, I've been wrong on the subject before on some of your picks, and, and this yeah. could very well be another example of that. Nick, my next pick is going to be, and by the way, that wouldn't have been nearly this high up on my list of uh, of picks. Last <laughs> time. <My> ne- <laughs> really interesting. The not a moron thing is the only thing I'm going to disagree with you on, Nick. Uh, I'm kidding. I actually think you're a very bright guy and, and and sometimes smarter than me, and that hurts the ego a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and take <laughs> Philippe Corrales to beat Chase Hooper. Chase Hooper, speaking of not ready for the UFC, not ready for the UFC, right? He hasn't really shown the athleticism to develop his stand-up, hasn't really shown the, the, the capability to defend himself. Like, I, honestly, if I spend a couple of months with this guy and, and call, me, really call me you know egotistical, I spend a couple of months with this guy working with him daily. His, his striking defense has to improve. How has it not improved, Nick, in all of this time? Like... To no measure, 
He takes every shot that is thrown. His takedowns suck. I can't help him with that. He's got 18% takedown uh, percentage, right? Success. Not very good. Corrales, right? He's a guy who, at the very least, can just wade forward with with, uh, bombs. Not super technical, but he's incredibly gritty. He's well-conditioned. He's very physically strong. He's really good at getting takedowns, even against sometimes physically superior opposition. And he has a really good ground game from top position. He's not a finisher. He will grind on you, right? But he is certainly capable, I think, of beating the iteration of Chase Hooper that we last saw, which was probably uh, over, over a year ago in which he lost to journeyman Steven Peterson. So I like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident in this pick unless Chase Hooper has just made giant strides and suddenly training with a great team. And I haven't checked out his Instagram to confirm that, but I'm going to go with uh, Philippe Corrales to beat Chase Hooper. I think this might be a betting opportunity at these odds. I think you should include Corrales. Either get Corrales by decision because Hooper has heart and Corrales mm-hmm. is not a finisher. Um, uh, and those will net you pretty decent odds. Or put Corrales in a parlay with somebody else you're confident. I would say the decision, uh, uh, the decision bet is probably where I would lean, even though early. those I also are kind of like hard to, you know, being that specific on how the fight goes is risky. To kind of feed Hooper, but I think you're probably right. Um, I also know you Do you uh, disagree with the picnic like? Because it sounds like you were surprised um, by it. <laughs> but I wasn't caught. No, I was, it was. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Never mind. Google it. Google it. What the hell is a twink? What are you doing? Right <laughs> are you calling me Pat Barry? <clears throat> What's a twink? There's nothing. I mean. Nick, is twink a bad word? <laughs> All right, I'm Googling it now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ugh, Nikolai, you are, you are Urban uh, Dictionary. So I'm, Let's see. I'm going to go to the main event. Here. Oh, I see, I see. Just, just, just a, a male fan. with attractive boyish qualities. Um, fair, fair. That, that's, that, that's fine. Like he, he's not my type, if I'm going to be honest, but uh, it's fine. I, I think that – I don't think she's going to be stronger than, than Holly Holm. I just think Holly Holm is – going to be uh, a bit more durable. She's going to be stronger. Um, she's going to, I think she's going to have the better clinch work against the cage. I think she's going to have um, the better kickboxing defense, uh, the, the, the poise and experience. Vieira sometimes doesn't seem like she's always like, doesn't seem like she's got the strongest uh, uh, mind in the cage all the time. And I also think that home overall has better, has better conditioning. So like I don't, I I have trouble seeing, um, I have trouble seeing a path to victory for Caitlin Vieira, who who just a year change ago lost to to Yana Kuditskaya. Um, I think this is a really big, a really really big step up. She was able to beat Misha Tate. Well, Misha Tate's pretty small. Um, Holly Holm is not. Like, and I understand that Holly Holm lost to Misha Tate. Little MMA math there. But she was she was dominating before her her uh, you know her her jujitsu defense got you know got exploited. Um, I think this is largely going to take place on the feet, and that I think Holly Holm is just a you know she's not she has she's no longer really an exciting fighter. Some would argue was she ever. I thought I think she's kind of cool. I like the way that she fights, but um, I just. I think that her it's just like she's on lockdown. I don't see a I don't see a path to victory for Caitlin Barry here. When's the last time somebody had top position over Holly Holm? 
I see a path to victory. I just don't think it's likely, right? She would need to get top position. I don't know that her judo is necessarily good enough to take Holly home down. I don't think she... Yeah, it's rare, especially with her recently, like against good strikers. She is the one that will engage in the clinch. She is the one that will slow the fight down, get top position if she needs to, right? We've seen that time and again recently with Holly Holmes' career, in which, you know, as, as much as nobody really improves at, at Jackson Winks, uh, like, it's almost like she's, like, putting those skills to the forefront. forefront. Raquel Pennington, she's basically held up against the fence, and she was the bigger, stronger woman in that sense, and Raquel Pennington's a top-level fighter, so it's impressive that she got a decisive victory over her, in my opinion. In fact, I think I picked Raquel Pennington in that matchup, um, and I was wrong. Arena Aldana is I, a really good win yeah. for Holly Holm, somebody she was able to ground and clinch when she needed to, right? So, uh, you know, it's the Amanda Nunes, the Chris Cyborgs, the Jermaine Durandamis, the Valentina Shevchenkos that are beating her with any level of decisiveness, and the Durandami fight is arguable. Misha Tate had to come back against her, right? And granted, Holly Holm is 40 years fucking old at this point. So it's not like, you know, it's not, not like it's past her to just look terrible all of a sudden. And yeah. Vera's coming back, coming out of her big win against uh, uh, Misha Tate, but she lost down the stretch to Yana Kunitskaya, who's able to outcraft her and get that top position. I think that Holly Holm is capable of doing that as well. Worst case, Holm can circle on the outside and throw her hiya shots from a distance and score some judges' respect that way. So I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think you're making the pick at about the right time. I would have made this pick probably uh, ahead of the Njokwani pick, but having said that, now that I said it, Njokwani's going to dominate and Holly Holm might lose. So my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Jonathan Martinez and Vince Morales. This one is not like the highest level UFC fight, but... It's bound to be exciting. These guys are really good strikers, and they have some, you know, they have, like, somewhat spotty records in the UFC, right? We have Vince Morales, who, by the way, one of two Morales is fighting on this card. No relation from what I understand. Uh, he got a win over Luis Smoka by overhand right knockout. We saw how durable Luis Smoka is against David Grant, right? So that was impressive. Luis Smoka had good moments against David Grant, even. Draco Rodriguez, who was a pretty good, solid prospect, got a decision over him. He lost to Chris Gutierrez, basically via leg kicks. Bad decision against Benito Lopez. Nothing to be ashamed of in losing to uh, Yadong Song. So, you know, some of his losses are explainable. He's got win over Eamon Zahabi. Uh, he's got, you know, the, the smoke of the Rodriguez win. Jonathan Martinez, right, another striker, really sharp, trains with, uh, if I remember correctly, trains with uh, trains with uh, Elevation Fight Team, or at least I thought he did. Is that, is that let me see, is that Morales? Yeah, I believe he trains with Elevation Fight Team, and... You know, he's a really talented fighter. Wins over Alejandro Perez and Zviad Levashvili, and I think he was a big underdog against Levashvili, uh, that lost to David Grant in a competitive fight. Yeah, he got caught, and maybe this is what can happen against Morales, who's also a really good striker with some pop in his hands. He got screwed in decision against Andre Ewell, but outside of that, beat those two guys that I mentioned, Thomas Almeida, uh, Frankie Sainz, right? These are like serviceable, serviceable 100, uh, I think this is 35-pound fighters, um, 145-pound, uh, excuse me. I'm not holding it against him. I think this, uh, Jonathan Martinez has what it takes to win this matchup. Um, he can get cracked. Apparently, he can get knocked out even in a fight he's winning. But I like his odds over Vince Morales, who he's shown um, that he can be susceptible to those leg kicks. Fight, yeah. And Martinez also, is capable of Martinez producing that. Fan. And Martinez's team um, is capable of putting together the right game plan to make sure he's hard. built I don't for know that. How so I like Jonathan Martinez to edge uh, Vince Morales in a really uh, fun firefight. Yeah. Martinez did get... Yeah, Martinez did get knocked out like a year ago, though. Um, but who Davy Grant's got, you know. Well, both of these guys are coming off of hands. two wins in a row. So, um, you know, it's not like either of them is coming off a knockout loss. Next, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if this is just like a firefight decision. 
Yeah, that's fair against David Grant, yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, it was a pretty bad knockout, too, considering he came back with two uh, fights gosh. since then, right? And, like, it's, it's not like Alejandro now. Perez isn't a, isn't a hard really kicker, difficult. a hard hitter. Um, it's, it's, it's good on Martinez. Granted, uh, Perez is way past I think I'm going to go with what you got next, underdog buddy? pick. I'm going to pick Eric Anders to beat Jun Young Park. Um, I'm going to do so because I, I feel like Anders is a, is a – a relatively fast starter who gasses late and Jung Young Park is a guy that I feel like is generally durable, takes the lick in and then comes back strong. Um, I, he got, he did get, um, he fought valiantly against Rodriguez, but eventually got, got put down. Um, but a lot later than it looked like he was going to. And, and, you know, Anders has these flashes where he kind of puts it together, like in the Darren's all in the both Darren Stewart, um, fights. But then there's did he keep out there at Stewart twice, right? But he was crushed. Yeah, he was. But he was. He was. Yeah, but he was. He was crushing him in the no contest. Um, and he could. I mean, he could. Eric. He, Eric Edders could put it together. He's just a, like. Yeah, one was a no contest and, uh, because and of an illegal league. But he was crushing um, him. Yeah. He carries a lot of muscle still. But I think he was. And he's got I, wins I, I, over I, I, uh, Gerald Mirchart, right? Like, these, yeah, that's and a pretty I think it's weird win. that he's a, a plus 175 underdog. I don't know that it's weird that he's an underdog in this one. It's tricky because Jung Young Park has really good offensive takedowns. He's pretty gritty. He's got plenty of heart. He's got a chin despite that knockout loss uh, in his last fight, the fight, excuse me, to Gregory Rodriguez. And a fight that was back and forth in which he hurt Rodriguez. Rodriguez being undefeated in the UFC. Wait, is he still undefeated? No, I think he, I think he ended up losing a, a very close decision to Armand Petrosian. Yeah. Um, Rodriguez is like a really heavy-hitting, gritty guy. On paper, you see these two guys in a bar. You're like, I'm not fucking with Rodriguez. And, you know, the Iron Turtle looks, looks like somebody I might pick on. Not the case, man. Dude's gritty. Hits hard, has a really good jab, a good right hand, good boxing skills overall. Whereas Eric Anders, is, he moves in slow motion, essentially, right? He makes bad mental slips in there again and again. What is to his credit is that he's he's now training with a really good team in fight-ready MMA. Under guys like Henry Cejudo, Eric Boracin, if I'm, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, did lose to Andre Minos by armbar, but who the fuck hasn't, right? Like a guy that uh, also cemented Jacare. I see where you're coming from. I think it's worth an underdog shot. I do like Jung Young Park, though. I think he's probably going to have the wrestling edge, and he should have the boxing edge. He should be fast enough to make Anders look slow. So I disagree with the oh, pick, wow. but I absolutely see why you took the two-point rider. I think it's right. definitely worth it. I think these odds should be a little bit closer. So uh, hard to disagree with, with your judgment on this one. My next pick is going to be in the matchup. I think I'm going to go with the co-main event, Nick. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, in a fight that's bound to be intriguing, right? It could have some slow moments, granted, because Pereira's been a lot more patient lately, and we've seen that uh, Ponzinibbio is not quite what he used to be. Like, following, I think he had a serious case of staph infection. Is that correct, Nick? Um, maybe you could back me up on this. <clears throat> like some almost life-ending stuff he went through before he came back to the UFC and he, he a, looked like yeah, a golden a contender leading up to his comeback, got, right? Beat Neil Magny by freaking knockout. Um, Mike Perry, you know, fine. Gunnar Nelson, he knocked out. 
got Norden Talib back when he was a good fighter. Zach Cummings on his way up. Court McGee by knockout. Right, like these are impressive. Right, right, and then and then and by the way, he had a canceled battle against Kamaru Usman back in 2018. Geez, that's uh, that, that's good luck for him because that would have broken that win streak. And then he comes back and he looks, you know, he gets basically taken out of there in the first round by Li Jingliang, who's a serviceable, um, a serviceable Walter Wright, right? But he's not the kind of guy that should be running through Ponzinibbio. Came back against Miguel Baez at one decision. Looked rough in the first round. Looked good in rounds two and three, right? The experience has him out there, but we've seen Miguel yeah. Baez doesn't have the best chin. And if anybody should be able to knock out Miguel Baeza, who doesn't have a great chin, is the guy that knocked out Mil- Neil Magny and Gunnar Nelson and, and a couple of other, Court McGee, right? These are durable guys, but he's not quite the same despite that kind of, uh, th- that push that he showed in the second half of that fight. Lost to Joff Neal by split decision, granted, which I think most people had Joff Neal in. It was, it was a very competitive fight. Um, and Joff Neal also not looking awesome lately, but Michelle Pereira. He is, I think, 6-2 in, in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken, Nick. Maybe, let me see, uh... One, two, three. Maybe five and two in the UFC. He could arguably yeah. be seven and zero oh in the UFC. Tristan Connolly. I thought he won that fight. Yeah, he got tired. Yeah, he was throwing all kinds of shit. He looked obnoxious, and the almost like the unlikability of this giant athletic man showing off against this little tiny fellow who ended up fighting at one forty-five, mind you. Um, I think that's part of what edged the judges toward Connolly, who like looked likable and was like little scrappy underdog that could. Um, Connolly didn't do shit. He took a bunch of damage. He like got top position against the tired Pereira, but even in between those moments, he took a bunch of damage. So I believe that Michelle Pereira should have won that fight. Diego Sanchez was a weird situation. Pereira made a mistake, a mental block, knee Diego Sanchez on the ground, got the DQ, and D- Diego Sanchez with his shitty coach back at, at that point was willing to take that disqualification loss, even though he wasn't, I don't think, in my opinion, badly hurt. I think he made a business move for an extra hundred grand or, or whatever his uh, show and win money situation was. Since then, he's looked a lot more patient, Nick. He won, granted, three decisions, but those three decisions were against Chaos Williams, who's a really I'm not, good fighter. No, go Nico ahead, Price, who's a pretty good fighter. I'm, and Andre Fialho, who's sure. been showing himself to be well, pretty solid think, as well. I like him against Santiago um, Ponzinibbio here, Ponsonibio just because Ponzinibbio is not the same guy he used to be. The guy that used to, Ponzinibbio used to be, he can um, potentially not only beat Pereira, he can potentially finish Pereira. You're not convinced of that, but... It was all staff infection. That was Salikov that had COVID. <laughs> but, but he has looked better. He has looked better since that. I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in this one. I'm. I was going to pick Ponzinibbio because um, because I, I think I think he's going to be more active. Um, yeah, it was like and, a really bad case of stuff. Yeah, um, but I'm really excited to see this one. Were you as an underdog, huh? <clears throat> I hear that. Oh, it's actually, he's barely an underdog. It's a pick and fight. I am too. And honestly, I would consider Michelle Perr either in a parlay at minus 120. I think there's some value there given the trajectories of these guys' careers. And I know you disagree with me on this one, but um, either that or or uh, Michelle Perr by either decision or, or Michelle Perr in a parlay will net you pretty good odds. Um, I, I like Pereira in this matchup. I realize it, it could very well be super close, just like Santiago Ponzinibbio's last fight, like Michelle Pereira's last couple here. of fights. Um, and uh, so this might be literally a coin flip is what decides it based on the judges' moods. But uh, I do like Pereira. I think he has think the slightly higher upside at this point with, in both of their careers. Are, What's your I'm going to go with, I think, Pollyanna Vienna against uh, Tabitha Ricci. I like that Pollyanna Vienna is on this, uh, this arm-snatching uh, trend that she's got going on. And I mean, I don't think Tabitha Ricci's. I mean, she's got good. She's got good jujitsu herself. She scored a couple 
of, uh, of armbar victories as well. Um, but I liked, uh, I just kind of, I like this, I like this new vibe coming out of Pollyanna Vienna. Yeah, Pollyanna Vienna is hard to trust. Hits really hard, good Muay Thai. Like apparently Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but has made terrible decisions there and been submitted and, and beat on the floor by multiple people at this point. She is coming off of wins over Emily Whitmire and Mallory Martin, but those girls are kind of jobbers if we're going to be honest, man. Um, so I honestly, I like Tabitha Richa here. I think her grappling, her wrestling uh, should give her enough of an edge. She could make a mistake and get caught in an armbar, but losing to Mano Fierro is not reason for me to face someone in itself even though she did lose to her by tko she's the significantly smaller fighter in that matchup and that fight was at 125 this one's at 115 right so richie is in the division that she should be in um i like her grappling to edge out here i think she'll be able to keep and hold top position but again beyond is a very dangerous standing she's very dangerous on the ground so i don't blame you for making that pick um in my next pick and this is another point of disagreement with us um my next pick i'm going to take elise reed to beat sam hughes Sam Hughes, I think she's gritty, and she's got a lot of heart, mentally strong, but she doesn't really have a whole lot else going for her, in my opinion, right? Um, in a matchup against Elise Reed, who's shown herself against like a pretty solid prospect in Corey McKenna, granted she got pounded by Sajara Eubanks, who's the much bigger fighter, um, who you know not only competes at 125, but can't make 125. Um, she's going in here against uh, Sam Hughes, who's largely kind of seen as a jobber, right? Corey McKenna is on a different level from Sam Hughes. And even though Sam uh, Hughs had what it took to kind of come back against a tired uh, Estella Nunes, um, I don't expect that Elise Reed is going to get tired. I think she's very capable, and I think she's going to pick up a, um, a clear-cut decision against Sam Hughes in this one. Maybe two. So we've, got two we've got two fights left, right? But I'll... True. I was considering this uh, in place of the Michelle Pereira pick, because okay. that one, you know, on paper looks very close as well. Yes, we're only picking uh, only one of them you're picking, and then we'll kind of break down the last one and, and see if that becomes a replacement if anything pulls out. Is it 155? So Omar Morales is moving up in weight, huh? Yeah, at 145, he didn't, you know, one and two record at 145. Like, he didn't have a great track record there, so I get why. I'm going to go I'm gonna go with Morales. I get the sense that a guy that's built, like, a guy that's built like him I think he's really going to benefit from the lack of cut, and I don't think he's going to give up too much size. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to agree with you on the pick. Both, like Again, this is another firefight, right? There are multiple matchups with a pair of strikers who are going to produce, on paper, an exciting fight. Pereira, uh, uh, Pereira versus Ponzinibbio being one. Morales versus Martinez being another one. Um, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you mostly because I think Omar Morales has shown that he can go three rounds and you know his one kind of clear cut loss was to Giga Chikadze who was at one forty Giga Chikadze excuse me who at one forty five is considered like a top ten you know level contender who's like getting guys out of there pretty early and he was aggressive against um, Giga was aggressive against Morales who Morales has low output that's his big issue but does Uros Medic have the experience to temper himself to not blow his load in the first round and then be tired in the second half of the fight? Um, Uros Meta getting dropped in his last matchup against uh, Jalen Turner. Not a whole lot to be ashamed of. Jalen Turner is a giant monster of this division. He is offensively very talented, even though he can, you know, he can be a little bit um, not durable. And 
Uros Mednik on paper could have taken advantage of that lack of durability. But I just think the 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 experience differential here, the fact that Morales is coming back up, he's not cutting as much weight, he's been deeper in in in, in the water against higher level competition. So I do agree with you there. But Morales' output concerns me. The fact that Uros Mednik, if he's smart, he'll do like three or four explosions per round in an otherwise close fight and edge him out that way. If he's foolish, he's going to go for the finish and probably get tired and then the fight goes the other way. So definitely, I think um, Uros Medic has what it takes to win the fight. I, I'm, I'm just going to ever so slightly edge Morales's way. So I'm not disagreeing with you there, Nick. And finally, we have Joseph Holmes versus Alan Amadovsky. Probably the lowest level fight on this card, which is, I feel like kind of saying something. Um, I, I'm, I would edge, personally, Joseph Holmes. Both of these guys have not looked good in the UFC. Neither of these guys has a UFC win to their name, right? Jamie Pickett was uh, the guy that Joseph Holmes beat, which was pretty impressive. Um, especially, I think Joseph Holmes took that on... I'm sorry, he lost to Jamie Pickett. He looked good in the first round. He was on short notice. And then Jamie Pickett took over in the second half of the fight. Alan Lomodovsky's looked pretty terrible. He's coming off a three-hour layoff. Um, you got a bunch of canceled bouts. He might not make it to this event, right? But you lose to John Phillips in 40, 14 seconds. Like, that's concerning. John Phillips is a jobber in the UFC. Christoph Jotko, not a whole lot to be ashamed of there. Anybody can get decisions by this guy uh, outside of the top, I would say, six or seven. So... Uh, I'm, I'm going to edge Joseph Holmes just because he's bigger and he's shown a little more offensive potential and defensive potential versus Amadowski, who's really looked really bad, like a jobber at this point. What do you think? Uh, ten, yeah, I agree with you. I've already put down that we both have Holmes. Great. And so uh, Nikolai, that will that will do it for this card. Is um, is there? I know you, you you probably have to get out of here, right? Uh, I do. Let's like look real. Super, super quick. At is there what's what's on the horizon? Is it a pay per view? Um, I actually also, think, Jay, I actually, yeah, Jalen Turner. Oh, Jalen Turner's fighting Brad Riddell coming soon. But we've got Volkov against Rosenstrike soon. That's that's that is June fourth. So we have a couple of weeks before then. I don't know if we're gonna we're probably gonna go dark next week. Um, maybe you know maybe something will be worth discussing. But that's kind Volkov of a versus, whack card. This is, kind of, this is not a great card. Well, let me see. We've got uh, Volkov versus Rosenstrike, which not very like not a content, not a number one contender bout, but still a top twelve level heavyweight bout, top ten, I would say. We've got Dan Ige versus Movsar Evlov, top fifteen level uh, featherweight bout, which you know pretty high level. I'm I'm a big fan of both these guys. Movsar Evlov, a golden prospect. Pollyanna Viana, who to me in my eyes is is kind of uh, is kind of the other um, uh, Caitlin, no, not Caitlin Vera, the other. Uh, Sorry, Pollyanna Viana is fighting on both cards. Did I see this right? No, Pollyanna no, Botello. No, Pollyanna Botello. Right, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, and then outside of that, Jeff Molina, Zalgashumagulov is going to be fun. Not names at all. Ode Osborne versus Zuru Kadashev is going to be fun enough. Um, outside of that, Aaron Blanchfield is coming back against J.J. Aldrich. That's a real fucking test. That's a legit matchup. Uh, Lucas Almeida, I'm not familiar with, but he's fighting Mike Trezano, who's a really good fighter. Um, Minner versus Damon Jackson, I guess, is fine. Yeah, it's not a great card. Joe Selecki versus Alex De Silva. That's a great fight. Alonzo Menefield, Oscar Mojarov, who I'm not familiar with. Looks like a fucking just scary, scary man. Tony Gravely versus Johnny Munoz Jr. There's a couple of fights that are worth catching on this one. And this is another card with like a crap load of about six, nine, 12, 13 fights. I'm, I'm assuming a couple of these will end up falling off. But yeah, I mean, you know, not a great card. Um, but I'll take it as a fight yeah. night card. There's definitely been worse. Nick, that'll do it True. for this episode. Good to be on with you. Um, I am now, how many points ahead? I'm like, 
I'm like eight eight points ahead, I think, in total. I picked up another point over you last week, so you got Even some catch up. Even though I outpicked you, yeah. Nick, Nick, like this, I'll pick like by our rules these two point things, which we can eliminate the two pointers if you want. That'll eliminate any chance you have, buddy, of competing with me. Uh, for once, I picked up two underdogs in one event, which I'm uh, which I'm really into, Nikolai. I don't always get to pick my underdogs because you either get them first or you go the opposite way first. So, so uh, that's fun stuff. Looking forward to connecting with you next week, buddy. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Don't sound too excited, Nick. I need you to be the the peppy underdog that is. I was like, I was, super, I was super peppy before I like ate it over two weeks and lost like five points. Anyway, cool. We'll get him next week. Uh, All right, buddy. Later.